0: Welcome to Kingdom Light Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. This morning we're starting with, um, with a great new uh, series that that, um, that is only going to be this week and next weekend. But I really felt that God's given me a word for, for us for Easter. And, um, and the topic of the three sermons that we're going to do is the bridge. And uh, you might wonder, what is this all about? What is this connected to Easter? Don't worry, you're going to figure out today, and you're going to see where God's going to lead us today. Now, this morning, I want to build a bit of foundation for next weekend. I know sometimes we so eagerly run into Easter, and we go on holiday, and it's it's amazing, and it's so cool, and we do Easter egg hunts, but sometimes the world, and lately the world has gone into this marketing frenzy over Easter. Same with Christmas. We go over into this marketing frenzy, this Easter eggs, and we chase rabbits, and it's amazing. And listen, I, I like myself an Easter egg, come on. We do Easter egg hunts with the kids, and it's fine, and, and, and it's okay. We're not religious. We enjoy this, but we, 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 we take this weekend, and we remind ourselves of the true power of Easter. And I want to build a foundation of trusting God to this year go deeper. To really go deep in a place where God can stir an expectation in your hearts to, to say, Lord, I just want to not just go through another weekend. Yes, it's a rest weekend. It's fantastic. You already, you also created us to rest. But I have an, I've got an expectation this year, this year, to go deeper in you. To go deeper in you, to see more of you, to see more of your love, to experience more of you, Father. There's a a story of two brothers who who lived on a small uh, playing hoover, a a little farm. And and they grew up together and they built houses close to each other, about 50 meters from each other. And the two families grew together. They grew up. They had kids together. I mean, the kids grew up. I mean, it's just amazing. They ate together. They had fun together. And one day the two brothers had a, a disagreement. And the disagreement went to another level and they stopped speaking to each other. And the stop speaking went from two days to one week to two months. And before they could get themselves, the disagreement went to bitterness. And they didn't speak to each other at all. They literally ignored each other. till one day, the one brother was so mad at his brother, they started yelling at each other from home to home. And he said, I'm over this. And he took his small TLB and he made a big trench between the two houses. A big trench so that his brother could not come close to him. And later on, with all the rain, it actually became a small river between the two houses. And after a few years, the two families didn't speak. They only saw each other from a distance. They couldn't get close to each other. And then one day, a carpenter knocked at the one brother's house who didn't do the trench. His other brother did. And he asked for work. And he said, Listen, do you have any carpentry work for me? And he said, Brother, yes, I have. I want you to build a wall in front of this ugly trench so that I can't see my brother anymore. I don't want to see him. Just make sure the wall is big enough so that I can only see the wall. And he says, I'm going away for the weekend. When I'm coming back, I want to see this wall. And so he went away, and when he came back, it was at night. He went to sleep, and the next morning he woke up, and he walked out of his back porch, and instead of a wall, the carpenter built a bridge over the trench. And before he could do anything, he looked up and his brother was already halfway over the bridge on his way to him. And he didn't know what to do and what to say and his brother said, Oh brother, I'm so glad that you reached out. I wanted to get this off my heart for years. I'm so sorry. And he repented and they reignited their relationship. And God did something phenomenal. And the man didn't know what to do, and he called the carpenter up and said, man, wh- why did you do this? Can I, can I give you a job? You're so amazing. And, said, and the carpenter told him, said, no, thank you. I've got too much bridges to build. I love the significance of a bridge, don't you? Significance of a bridge. What did we do without bridges? You see, the definition of a bridge is a structure built because of a physical obstacle. A physical obstacle. And the purpose of a bridge is to provide passage over that obstacle. Have you thought about it? You see, we take it so lightly. We just drive and sometimes we're over a bridge and we don't know about it. But there was an obstacle that kept you from going from one place to the next. Did you realize that? You see, the bridge makes it possible to cross an obstacle that couldn't be crossed before. Right? It was an impossibility that they made possible because of a bridge. Now today we see so many people that are facing obstacles in life. Some of you sitting here today and you're facing some obstacles. Maybe some decisions you have to make, things you have to plan, organize, but it's an obstacle for you to get from one place to the other place. And you can't get to the other place before you don't overcome this obstacle in your life. Now today I want to look at how Jesus was getting ready to build a bridge. How Jesus was getting ready to cancel all impossibility in our lives. Are you ready? I'm going to go to a story that we all know so well, but I'm going to take a bit of a different angle with it. Right after Jesus had the Last Supper with his disciples, they went to the the Garden of Gethsemane. So let's read it together. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. That's John and uh, James and John. Um, John and James, yes. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, be your will be done. When he came back again, he found them sleeping because their eyes were weary <laughs> or heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise! Let's, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. It's a long piece and it's, a, it's, it's quite, a, quite an intricate piece that Jesus went for three times and prayed and came back and said, why are you sleeping? But the one thing that for, for me that was quite amazing is that he was sorrowful. Sorrowful. Now who wouldn't be so, sorrowful? Come on, I, I think the first time when I read this, I thought, yeah, man, he was sorrowful because he was scared of dying. Because he knew what was coming. You know the place, the Gethsemane, the garden, was called the place of, place of pressing. It was the, underneath the garden of olives. And it was the place where they pressed the olives. And Jesus went there for praying, but he was in a pressing moment in his life. You see, I always thought that Jesus was struggling personally through this thing of like, tomorrow I'm going to die, but it's not going to be a normal death. This is going to be tough. This is going to be, I mean, I'm going to have to die for everyone on earth. Who wouldn't be suffering at that moment? You See, it's like when we were children. Come on, all the parents. I do know the kids are out here, but when I was a kid, I usually messed up quite a lot. You know, I was the only son of uh, we were four kids, and I was the oldest, and I was the only boy, and so I messed up. I had to, I had to keep myself busy. And then usually when you did the worst of the worst thing, my mom will come out and she was like, go sit in the bathroom and wait for your dad to come home. <laughs> I had two friends of mine. My two friends, they burned down the whole backyard one day and <laughs> at the age of four or five. And they sit sitting in the bathroom from two o'clock till five o'clock waiting for dad. And in that moment, waiting for dad, it's that agony of waiting. No, man. Nonsense is coming. my There's big problems when dad is, is home. I'm not talking to anyone here. Yeah. You know exactly. And, man, if dad comes into that house, you know the car parks, you know dad walks in, no, no, no. And you know it's T minus two minutes. <laughs> when he walks into that door, you already cry and you already, I mean, it, the sorrow is intense. You see, it's straight up anxiety, waiting in that bathroom. But Jesus said to Peter and James and John, and He said, "My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. To the point of death. How many of you had sorrow to the point of death? All of us have gone through sorrow. We lost a loved one. We have go, We gone through stuff in our lives. But how many of us have went through sorrow to the point of death? I mean, this is not just a normal sorrow." He went back, fell on his face and prayed and said, Lord, please, if it's possible, can we make another plan? But yet, whatever your will is. He knew that the plan was set and already in motion. You see, the sorrow and distress didn't come because Jesus was personally in distress of dying tomorrow. No, no. He knew what was coming. Now, the sorrow of the world... And the sin of the world was beginning to come upon him. See, he had so much sorrow and distress because of the world's sin was starting to come upon his shoulders, press upon him. To have sorrow so much to the point of death. Look what Isaiah 53 says. It says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He has carried our sorrows. Everything was on his shoulders, becoming, to come on his shoulders. He was in that garden. He was praying because he was feeling the weight of all the pain, all the suffering. All the emotional brokenness of the world was coming upon him. You see, before any of Jesus' physical suffering that was about to come on the cross, he started already having emotional suffering to the point of death. Now as Luke recorded in Luke 22, if you go to Luke, Luke was a very detailed writer and he said that the angel, Jesus was so sorrowful to the point of death that he had to get an angel to come and minister to him, otherwise he would have died from the emotional grief. Go and read Luke 22. See Luke was probably also the only gospel writer who recorded that Jesus was physically sweating blood. You see, the sweat, there wasn't a bit of perspiration on his forehead. He was sweating drops of blood. You see, we need to realize that this emotional suffering Jesus went through most likely could have been the worst than the physical torment of the crucifixion. He was taking the sin of the world and the sorrow of the world the brokenness of the world was upon his shoulders in that moment. And we always thought, no, he was just scared because of what's coming. No, no. He was literally taking the sorrow on his shoulders. Now, the amazing thing for me was that Jesus went praying as soon as the sorrow started. He went praying. Then he came back to the, to the disciples that were sleeping. But as the sorrow became worse, guess what he did? He went back and fell on his face. As the sorrow increased, his prayer increased. And it's such an amazing picture for us as believers that when you hit a place of sorrow and grief, where do we run to? Do we run to prayer? And when the sorrow becomes worse, do we run into deeper prayer and more intense? You see, Jesus I always say his his two weapons was prayer and praise. That's how he fought. He was praying and he was praising. He was praising God, but he was praying. He had a prayer life. See, Jesus took everything on himself, all the sin, all the suffering, all the oppression, all the torment, all the grief of the world. And if we start thinking about just the grief and the torment today in the world, it was already on his shoulders. He already paid for it. But on that, when Jesus, before he died, there was no Holy Spirit. There was no salvation. There was no nothing. The darkness was heavy. That's why Jesus had to come. And because of all those things, he was carrying this heavy weight on his shoulders. An amazing thing is when the mob with Judas came and Jesus walked up, I mean, if you go to John, the Gospel of John, I love this, probably one of my favorite parts in the Bible. They went in and they saw a man, the mob, with Judas, say, Who are you? Go and read it. And Jesus said, I am. And when he said, I am, the whole mob, everybody, fell to the the ground because of the power of God. You see, he was carrying the griefs and the sorrows and the pain. He went through all the suffering. And still, when he said, I am, the power of God was so powerful. That people couldn't stand on their feet. What the world didn't realise was that what Jesus would start laying the foundations of the greatest built ever. And in the next four days to come, he was about to build a bridge. As we all know now by now that Jesus why Jesus had to die, to save us from sin and save us from death and to free us from the oppression of this world. And with Easter weekend in mind, I want to build a foundation today explaining this in one of the most simplest ways. Maybe some of you have seen this, but I'm going to take one of the probably the most simplest ways to explain the gospel to us today. To show you the power of what happened on that day of the cross. To show you the power of what happened already started on on that night in the garden of Gethsemane. See, most people will see this explanation, and most of you probably have seen this. But it's okay. I really felt that that we need to look at this picture again of the gospel, and of Jesus, and why he was carrying the sorrow on his shoulders in that moment. And if we understand this, it will open the foundation and the power of the Easter for you again. So, I made an illustration for us. And and, and, I, and I hope you, you don't mind my, uh, my, um, my PowerPoint pictures. So here we go. We've got the little KLC guy there. And we've got God. And maybe that's you this morning. And maybe we can put ourselves in that place. So all of us are in the world because God has given us life. And God is in the world. And he's coming, also came to give us life. And, and, and this is the picture. But the great thing about it is God has created us all for a relationship. And there is something in you, something deep inside of every one of us that is looking for a relationship. If you don't know God, maybe you can remind yourself in the days before salvation or before you really knew God or before you really stepped into that place of true salvation, there was always a seeking for something greater. I, I was looking for something but I didn't really know what. So I was, maybe you dived into this and that and, and relationships and stuff to find the ultimate relationship. There was all but the th- amazing thing about it is, God always wanted relationship. He created us for relationship. That was the only reason He created us on earth. He made us the centerpiece of creation so that He can have relationship with us. But now we can say, but why do I always feel so far from God. How many of you have come to a place in your life that I feel just far from God today? I just feel far from Him. Lord, where are you? I feel so alone. I feel so far from you. It feels like a gap between me and you. Ever been there? Lord, there's a gap between me. I mean, do I need to... Lord, what did I do? Did I offend you? And we ask that why question so many times in our lives knowing maybe the truth that your life is in the right place. But we ask, Lord, why do I feel so far from you? Oops. So, Isaiah 59 verse 2 says, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. You see, it says that our sins have separated us from God. And no matter if you have sinned in the last two weeks or not, We all were born into sin because of what Adam and Eve done. We were born into sin. It was a big problem. And because they have sinned, they gave the keys of the kingdom and authority to the enemy the day when they failed in the garden. And it means that there is a big chasm or a gap or a a canyon between us and God, which is quite a bit of a problem. It's a big problem. And they call it a problem of creation, the problem of creation in terms of what Adam and Eve have done. The problem is, I feel far from God, and because Isaiah 59 verse 2 says that my iniquities, my sins, have separated me from God. He'd hidden God's face from me, and therefore we are in a problem. It's a huge problem. It's a problem of, Lord, I want to get near you. I want to have a relationship with you. But I can't get close to you. And sin is the issue. So Romans 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. All. All in creation have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's the problem. You see, Romans three twenty-three. Then it's Hebrews 9, verse 27 says, People are destined to die once. Yes, we're all going to die but then to face judgment. You see, that's another problem. We all have sinned. We need to face judgment some days, and that's the issue. So now this is what happens. Lord, I want to get close to you. I want to get close to you. I wanna, I'm going to try the most that I can do. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to help the old lady over the street. I'm going to be a good man or a good woman. I'm going to try as much as I can do to get close to you, and I'm trying to build a bridge to God, but let, that's what happened. The more I try to do, the more I fall into a place of feeling far from God because this canyon between me and God cannot be reached because all has been separated from God, because my sin has separated me from God. And it says that man, the, all of us have sinned, and all of us are going to face judgment, we are in, we are in trouble. We are in trouble. So now I do works. Now I'll, I'll, I'll be a good man. I'll come to church and I'll do this, and I'll, I'll read now and then, and I'll be good to people around me. I'll take care of the poor. I'll do things. I'll do and do and do things, but the more you do things, you realize that my works just lead to death spiritually. I keep on feeling spiritual dead. How many times, I remember when I was young, before I got saved, I tried to do all these things, to be a good boy and do this, and, but the more I tried, the more I feel, felt dead spiritually. Do I, am I talking to someone here in the morning? Look at Romans 6, verse 23. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Everybody says, but. See, that's one of the most important words in the Bible. But. It says that all of us have sinned and fall short. All of us. But. There's a gift. There was a gift. And the gift says, there's a solution. See, we had a problem, and the problem was that we can never get close to God. We can't. Because of sin and what has happened through ages and through our lives, we can't get close to God. And now I'm trying to work, work, work my way and try to do, 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 to get closer to God, to try and build a bridge to Him. But all of those fail. I feel empty. I feel more empty every day. And I'm trying to do through works, which I couldn't because I was in sin. But then the scripture says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Jesus gave life. He came to give life. You see, John 10.10 says, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come to give life and life in abundance. John 10.10. There's abundance life in Jesus. Look at John 5, verse 24. And now the story gets interesting. It says, Moses, surely I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him Who sent me has everlasting life. Now, this is Jesus, this is red letters. This is Jesus saying this. In him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. You see, this is good news. It looks like a solution to a problem. We all were, I mean, listen, you've seen, the humanity wasn't serious need of a savior we were in problem we were in a huge problem we couldn't get close to a god who wanted to have a relationship with us and then god says wait but my son gives everlasting life look what romans 5 so so what does um john 5 say? he says jesus gives life there's no judgment and there is no death there's no judgment and there's no death So we're standing in a place that says that all have sinned and fall short. There's judgment for you. There is death for you. And that's a problem. And there's a a gap between us and God. We can't get close to Him. And then God says, well, wait, I've got a solution. Romans 5 verse 8 says, but God demonstrated His own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for you. While you were still messing up. While you were still cheating or stealing or doing the things that you're doing on that side of the the gap. Jesus said, I'm still going to come. I'm going to die for you. I'm going to give everything for you. And through that, I'm giving you life in abundance. No judgment. No death. And then Jesus comes and you do that. Jesus becomes the bridge. That bring a solution to the issue, the problem That humanity had. And then we all know John 3 16. That's the foundation for that bridge that God said. For God so loved the world that He gave, He loved, and He gave. And because He loved, He gave His only Son, His Son. That whosoever believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That means life into eternity. You see, we need the bridge. No, none of our works, our deeds of what we do can get us to the other side of that bridge. To have relationship with the Father, only one thing, only one man could have done that. And that was Jesus. He could pay the penalty and he could b- build a bridge that only one man could do. Only one man could carry that foundations of a bridge so heavy. Who could save everyone of humanity into eternity. So how do I respond to this? That's a good question. How do we respond as Christians, as believers, as humanity? How do we respond to such a gift of saving us from the biggest problem the world has ever seen? How do we respond? Look at this. Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 9. I love the scripture. It's so good. It says, For by grace... For by grace you have been saved through faith. Not by works. See? and it, uh, Sorry, and it goes on. And that not of yourself, so nothing you can do. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. He says, man, I'm, I'm giving you grace through faith. Not through, some, not through something that you can do, but it is a gift I'm giving you today. Apart from works. You can't work for it. You can't do anything. You can't do anything more. That's why I always say, no matter if you're standing here and you think, I've read my Bible five times today, man, God should be closer. It's not true. Because grace says, no matter what you do or what you have done, He's already close. He's inside. He's not on top. He's inside. (laughs) Cremora. You see, for by grace through faith. Look at this. For by grace, through faith, I step over this bridge. I step over this problems in my life. I step away from all the sin, all the judgment, all the death. Although you feel condemnation or guilt in your life, you step over this bridge because I realize that there is grace for me. Oh my goodness. I don't feel guilty anymore because God has given me grace, but now I need to take my faith and step over this bridge into the promise of everlasting life, no judgment, no death. God could have forced us and said, now you shall do this. And he said, I'm going to give you the only choice. See, God couldn't control anyone. Jesus didn't control even his disciples. He was carrying the greatest sorrow and the greatest grief the world has ever seen. And he still couldn't control his disciples not to sleep. He didn't want to because you need to make your own decision. You need to decide. I'm going to give you the greatest gift that anyone has ever given. I'm going to give you grace. All you need is faith to step over this boundary and over this gap to step into life. Look, let's look again, John five twenty four. It says again, you remember it started, Moses, surely I say to you, he who hears my word, but then also, and believes in him who sent me as everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but shall pass from death into life. So now this is what happens. We hear and we believe. And as we hear the grace, we step over this cross. Over this price that's been paid. This bridge that can that that can only this bridge can only be built by a man and the son of God who is without sin, so that I can take my faith and I can believe and step into everlasting life. No judgment, no death. That's what I want to be. That's where I want to be. So Ephesians two thirteen. It says the following. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, we felt far away from God, far away from Him, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Isn't that amazing? Through grace, in faith, I stepped over away from sin, away from judgment, away from death, and I said that God give His Son because He loved me. And I'm stepping over this bridge that God has built for me because He wanted relationship with me. And I'm stepping into this everlasting life although I don't feel condemned. I'm shaking it off as I'm walking over this bridge. And I'm saying, Lord, thank you for everlasting life. Thank you for no judgment. Thank you for no death. There is no more gap between me and you. There's only grace and faith. You see, we need to Realize that this is the story of the gospel. This is the story of the gospel where a man came and he gave up divinity. He gave up his Godhead and he became a man so that he can pay this penalty for us who were in a huge crisis and a big problem. We couldn't fix that problem. And he loved us so much that he said, I'm looking at every one of you. He knew you before you even knew yourself while you were still sinning, messing up, doing things, he died on that cross, he carried that sorrows, and he said, for you, I'm doing it. I'm doing this. And once you were far away, now you have been brought near because of my blood. Because of my blood. That's how we respond. See, that's the simplicity of the gospel. You see, Jesus didn't come to earth just to calm the storm, walk on water, do awesome miracles. No, he didn't. He gave up his royalty, his divinity, to come and build a bridge that would solve a problem that no man could solve. And that night when Jesus laid on his face in that garden of Gethsemane, he was busy taking every building block and foundation of that bridge, and he was about to build this thing through four days of, three days of, four day, one day of suffering, three days in the grave and walking out of that grave, and we'll speak about Sunday, there was a bridge ready for anyone who wants to have relationship, to walk over. You see, no engineer has ever built a bridge to fail. I've never met an engineer who wanna build something to fail. Engineers usually build bridges to last and to be strong. That's the, that's the whole idea. No matter how heavy our sin is, no matter how much your mistake or many mistakes you have in your life, the bridge that Jesus has built will never fail. No matter how heavy the weight is you'll carry over this bridge, it will never fail. We just need to realize that it is for me. It is for me. The sole purpose of this bridge was for us. God's creation to be able to have a relationship with the Father. He wanted you to move over and stand with Him. Enjoy a relationship with Him. Enjoy His presence. His peace. Know His heart for your life. He didn't want you on that side. So He gave the best He had. Not the worst. Not the maybe. He took His son. The best. And He says, I want you to go and save my people. i want to close with this story i'm just going to read it because i can't tell it this good it says there was once a bridge that spanned a large river during most of the day this bridge sat with its lens running up and down the river parallel with the bank so it was a bridge that did this as the bridge as the boats came in the bridge closed or did this and as the as the train came over the bridge closed allowing ships to pass through freely on both sides of the bridge But at certain times each day a train would come along and the bridge would be turned sideways across the river allowing the train to cross it. A switchman sat in a shack on one side of the river where where he operated the controls to turn the bridge and lock it into place as the train crossed. One evening as the switchman was waiting for the last train of the day to come by, he looked off into the distance through the the dimming light and caught a sight of the train lights. He stepped into the control and waited until the train was within prescribed distance. Then he was to turn the bridge, and he turned the bridge into position, but to to his horror, he found that the locking control did not work. So the bridge worked, but it didn't lock. It didn't close all the way. If the bridge was not securely in position, it would cause the train to jump the track, go off, crashing into the river. And this would be a passenger train the last train of the day, where many people were on their way home. He left the bridge, turned across the river. He left the bridge, turned across the river, and hurried and ran across to the other side of the river where, where, he, where there was a, le- a lever switch he could hold to operate the lock manually. He would have, hold, he would have had to hold that lever back firmly as the train crossed. He could hear the rumbling of the train now and he took hold of the lever and leaned backwards to apply his weight to it, looking at at the bridge. He kept applying the pressure to keep the mechanism locked. And at that moment, so many lives depended on this man's strength, holding that lever down. Then coming across the bridge from the direction of his control shack, he heard a sound that made his blood run cold. Daddy, where are you? His four-year-old son was crushing the bridge to look for him. His first impulse was to cry out and to, uh, cry out to his child, run, run, but the train was too close and the tiny legs would never make it across the bridge in time. The man almost left his lever to snatch up his son and carry him to safety, but he realized that he could not get back to the lever in time to save his son and the train. Either many people on a train or his own son had to die. It took but a moment to make the decision. The train sped by safely, swiftly on its way, and no one aboard was even aware of the tiny broken body thrown mercilessly into the river by a rushing train. Nor were, they aware, nor were they aware of the pitiful figure of the sobbing man still clinging to the locking lever lying on the ground as the train passed. They did not see him walking home more slowly than ever to tell his wife that, he, that their son just died brutally. Now if we comprehend these emotions of this father walking home, just having, having to make that choice of his son or all those people, we begin to understand, we just begin to understand the feeling of our father in heaven. That day when Jesus died on that cross. Reminding himself of every bit of his creation. Looking at his son dying. Maybe then we can understand why the earth shook. And why everything went black when Jesus died. Because it was a father hanging onto a lever. Sobbing and crying and paining because of his son. How much more does the father feel when he's... When, when we in life sped along through life without giving a thought of what Jesus has done for us. Not even knowing. You see, it makes us think what a father will do for his child. How much God has done for us. Being in a serious problem. I want to end this morning, almost end, but I want to ask you a question. And each of you personally. Maybe you're still there where the cross is. The little X. Maybe you know about Jesus. And maybe you know that I know all this truth. I've been sitting in church. I've been reading all these things. I know the truth. But I've never stepped over this bridge into eternal life. You see, the scripture in Romans uh, 10 verse 9 says, when you believe with your heart, when you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart, you'll be saved. But so many people have confessed with their mouth, but they never believe with their heart, and they've never made their journey over the bridge. Maybe you on the bridge. Maybe say, man, hey, I know the Lord. I've gone to Sunday school, and I've done this, and I've been to church, and I know the truth. I'm on the bridge. I'm, I'm feeling the effect of Jesus in my life. It's amazing. I'm, I'm on my way over. Maybe you're on the other side of the bridge, almost with one foot into internal life. Or maybe you are there, you're spiritful. you know God. You're growing in your faith. You know there's no judgment, no death in your life. You can be anywhere in this picture, but I want you to think in your heart right now, where you are. You see, it's a question we need to ask ourselves before Easter every year, not just before Easter, but every day in our lives, that where am I in this picture? Because if I'm ever on a place except there, you haven't tasted the true salvation of God. You can be on that bridge, but you haven't stepped over into eternity. You haven't stepped over into eternal life, sorry. Sorry. You haven't stepped over into that promise of God in your life. And maybe you're still struggling with stuff in your life, and you don't know why all the struggles are still in my life, but you are still there. You're still still flirting with the whole Christian thing. I want to have one foot in the world, one foot in Christianity, because I don't want to leave a bunch of stuff in my life, because what if I'm not going to have fun on that side? (laughs) That's what I thought. But see, we need to make a decision in our lives to step over. To walk over to that bridge and say, no more. No more sin, no more death, no no, no more condemnation, no more guilt in my life. I'm going to step over to that place and say, Lord, today I'm making a true decision. And stepping over this. And this this is what Jesus has paid for. Not for us to be there or to be there, to feel that I'm almost there. No, no, he paid for us. be there listen to 1 john 4 verse 9 i want to end with this this morning it says in light of god's sin uh, in light of god's love shined within us when he sent his matchless son into the world so that we might live through him through him this is love he loved us long before we loved him it was his love not ours he proved it by sending his son To be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins. Isn't that a beautiful scripture? Can you see? Suddenly, we read the scripture differently after we understand the true picture of the gospel. That says, in light of God's love, shined within us when He sent His matchless Son into the world, so that we might live through Him. This is love. This is love. He loved us long before we loved him. It was his love, not ours. He loved us first. It because we loved him, he loved us. He loved us. It was his love, not ours. He proved it by sending his son to be pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins. This is the power of the gospel. See, maybe we can now understand why God has felt like he felt. Why we has. this is such an incredible moment in the history of the earth and of mankind, where Jesus gave, and it's the only give, gift that was important. Can we pray together? Let's stand together. just close our eyes. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you, Father, that that the price you have paid, we could never pay, Father. We could never pay. We could never do anything. There's no work, no do, or anything we can do that can bring us closer to God. The only thing is Jesus who has done it already. Jesus who has paid the penalty. He is Bed the grief and the sorrow on his shoulders. Every brokenness, every sin of this world he has carried on his shoulders to build a bridge so that we can live. Father, we want to honor you today. We want to declare that you are mighty. You are our Father. We want to declare that we love you. Thank you for your Son that has given us everything. I want to give an invitation this morning if you are here this morning i can't speak about these things without challenging each and every one of us this morning maybe you sitting here this morning and you feel that i'm one of the crosses but i'm not the one next to god i'm on the bridge but i'm not next to god i haven't made that final decision i said lord i'm giving everything You see, the Lordship of Christ says, if if He is not Lord of all of your life, He is not Lord at all. He wants to be Lord of everything in your life, every decision, everything, every habit, everything you do in your life. He wants to be Lord over, not to be a religious hold on you, but He wants to free you into His grace. If that's you this morning, why don't you just, while all our eyes are closed, just slip your hand up and down. That's fine. Just for you. said, Lord, I'm making this decision. Maybe you have made this and awesome for you. Can we pray all together? I'm just going to pray and all of us is going to pray together. Say, dear Jesus, we want to thank you today for the price that you've paid, that you've given so much so that we can have everything. We thank you today for everlasting life. And I'm confessing today that my life is yours and no one else's. So, Father, I pray this morning for everyone here. Lord, I pray that you pull us closer to you. Pull us closer to your heart. Pull us closer, Father, so that we will know you more intimately. Father, may we go deeper this Easter. May this be a foundation for us to know why we do in communion. Why the blood of Christ is so powerful. And why the body of Christ was broken for us. is so powerful. Father, I pray today that that you will touch our hearts. Not just through this sermon or through this message, but... May the gospel touch our lives. May the gospel change us from the inside out. And may this Easter, Father, be a moment where we see more of your love, more of your goodness, more of your grace, and more of you, Father. We pray that all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.